maybe, I mean, a better podcast would probably uh, pay attention to the fact that we're now on a schedule where we're a week behind some things. And we, I feel, I, I just want to keep saying, you know, I, I feel like I keep saying, by the by the time you hear this, this will be a week old. And just like, no, we're probably still going to keep doing that. I feel that it's especially um, relevant to this episode and to the discussion that we had at the very end of the last episode. Um, Lucas, it seems like the World Baseball Championships, the WBC? Classic. Classic. The World Baseball Classic. World Baseball Classic was quite exciting when it ended uh, the day before we're recording this. Yeah, uh, Japan walked away with uh, the big win, um, which is always kind of fun. Uh, again, I'm actually not that much of a baseball expert, but I like paying attention to it because it's a weird group of countries um, in the World Baseball Classic. Not often do you get to see countries like Italy compa- compete against like Israel mm-hmm. um, or Puerto Rico. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, props to Japan because I can't remember the last time they won some sort of national sporting competition, um, and they beat the Americans at their own sport. So kind of a cool story, and uh, I didn't watch the full thing, but I'm to understand it was a pretty exciting ending too. And I appreciate, Will, you know, we were really distracted with our— there was other news that distracted us from our World Baseball Classic conversation last week or two weeks ago, rather. So I'm glad we've now come full circle with the World Baseball Classic. And as expected, you know, my beloved Italia did not do so well, but that's okay. I was just even surprised that the Italians played baseball in the first place. Yeah, I wanted to make sure to give you a little bit of time for that as well, uh, because, (laughs) as you said, I I was a little bit distracted in talking about that. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I hope everybody who watched the World Baseball Classic had a good time, and congratulations to Japan. And welcome to Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. As we continue along Arthur Season 15, my name's Will Young with Lucas Mancini. And, uh, yeah, World Baseball Classic's on the way. Um, By the time you're hearing this, uh, if you're on the free feed, uh, we're in WrestleMania week. Uh, WrestleMania week is a week away for us here. So get That's ready crazy. get ready for probably next episode. We'll be giving some uh, very late WrestleMania predictions. But, of course, the way to hear these as they occur, basically, is exactly. to become a patron at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, because now we are putting out, we are releasing each episode of Elwood City Limits a week early for patrons. And I mean, I st- we still have the, you know, the evergreen Arthur content, but some of it, by the time you're hearing it on the free feed, may not be the most uh, live and hot take that, you know, the most topical content that you may that you may want. So it's pay what you want over at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Plus, you get all kinds of other cool stuff, which we'll talk about later. So let me take just a moment and give some thanks out there to our patrons, uh, such as Ian Collis and Light Relentless. Thank you for supporting the show, as well as to Macy Ball. Thank you. Andrew Power, friend of the show. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, thank you very much to Lawrence, and thank you to Gabby S. and Veronica Tram. Thank you to Richard Mortimer and to Young Wee. Also, I want to say a special thank you 
uh, of our patrons to RPG Fiend. You know why. Thank you very much. To Jenny Cardenas, big thank you. To Melissa H., thank you very much. And to our newest patron who just joined us, Nick Vuono. Thank you very much for supporting us and our Patreon. Uh, so we're going to be having a Patreon release coming up within the next week by the time you're hearing this. And we'll talk about that at the end of the show. I also want to say special thanks to Hannah Lee, who donated to my Kofi, which you absolutely don't have to do, but it is in my Twitter bio, so like if you want to, but please, if you're already a patron, please don't feel the need to do that, or, uh, I mean, you can do whatever you want, but that was really nice, Hannah. Thank you very much. And also, if you want your voice to be heard on the air... ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com to send us some correspondence. We don't have anything for this week, so just want to keep the reminder out there in case you're uh, sitting on an email or want to talk about something that we've talked about on the show. So much like the WBC itself, we're we've got baseball blues here. That's the name of this. That's the name of this one. And I mean, we're certainly no stranger to talking baseball. Talking baseball on Arthur. We've been doing that since season one. It all makes sense, Will. I was like, why is Will, he must really be interested in hearing why I w- was bringing up the World Baseball Classic. Why is Will bringing this up again a week later? Now I understand. It's because we're watching a baseball-themed Arthur episode and not the two Arthur episodes I watched. So I'm getting my <laughs> double dose of Arthur. It's a big Arthur day for me. It's very it's very rare that we uh, accidentally watch different episodes. I think it might have happened only one time before, but it's easily remedied. You know, the best thing about Arthur is that it's very quick. It's not like we're, you know, doing an episode of uh, the podcast about, like, Star Trek or something where it's like, all right, see you in an hour. Or, you know, yeah. about a mo- or about where we watch the wrong movie or something. But Exactly. I, I mean, we're not doing our Showa podcast. I didn't have to be like, okay, I'll see you in eight hours. <laughs> um, but, I, w- I mean, I was interested in what you thought of how the WBC came to be. But, yes, in terms of it did fit in with this episode quite well. Baseball Blues, which is a George episode. Uh, George is looking to make – he has a – we start off with a bit of an imagination – as George is making his big league debut in, like, the major leagues of baseball. Uh, and, of course, in his imagination, he's going to do very well. Um, but it is his first day of Little League. And one one thing of the baseball-type scenes that we see, a lot of the narration, a lot of the commentary is done by Wally. So we've got a lot of Wally voice in this episode uh, <laughs> doing, the, doing the, like, the, cla- like the classic almost stereotypical, like, baseball announcer type. And it's like, George, John Lundgren's going up to the bat, and da 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 Like, that sort of announcer type thing. It's mentioned in the cold open that George missed the age cutoff of Little League by two weeks. So this is the same um, baseball Little League that Arthur and his friends are playing in. It is it is a little bit different, I will say, because the team is called the Greeblings. So... The Elwood City Green-Tailed Grebe is something that kind of entered Arthur Cannon around the uh, 100 years old episode. And then afterwards, it's like, okay, so we have, you know, the Grebe is the animal, is the bird of Elwood City. The Grebes are the baseball team. And now the Greeblings are uh, their little league team. Whereas before, I don't think that the Arthur team really had like a name or an identity. It was just kind of like the Lakewood Elementary baseball team. Yeah, it's like how uh, here in Nova Scotia, um, there was the Dartmouth Whalers, uh, kind of like named after the Hartford Whalers. But yeah. you take the name 
of the bigger major league team. So yeah, they're decked out in the Grebe iconography, that that classic puke green and yellow uh, that we know and love of the the Grebes. If we really wanted it to be like here in in Nova Scotia, they'd be named after like the local chicken licking or something. True. <laughs> oh goodness. Like the like the taters or something. The uh, the Elwood City taters because over here we have the Timbits. Uh, well, that's more that's mainly for soccer, but and for hockey. Uh, we have little kids doing Timbits, uh, which is based off of the Tim Hortons. Uh, coffee and donut franchise and and this is this is the same team though because Oliver Frensky is the coach here now as always and 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 has as has been the case for a long long time on the show not nearly enough Oliver Frensky and he's nowhere near as 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 wacky as he used to be and I think to the detriment but he is here the conflict that we discover here is George is having his first day of Little League he loves baseball, dude. He's, it, baseball is one of his special interests. Like, as much as we've seen him, you know, uh, get into woodworking and kind of physical creation and, like, ventriloquism and all that kind of thing, another thing he really loves is baseball to the point, like, he knows facts, he knows history. Like, he's all about this. Exactly. It's, he brought up a important piece of Canadian baseball history, Will. Oh. Uh, he was talking about how uh, he did a trick question about when has a strike, a single strike impacted the World Series. And it's a trick because he was talking about the the, the big strike that happened, the player strike that happened in uh, 1994. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those Montreal Expos fans out there, a now defunct team doesn't oh, exist yes, anymore expos. this this was the year that the expos were most likely to actually win oh. um they, they, to go to the world series they had the most it was the most stacked team they ever did and of course this was never to be uh because of the lockout um so that's it's funny when he was talking about this i was like oh okay he's talking about the expos uh in a way <laughs> Well, and it makes sense, eh? Because a lot of Arthur's production is from, like, the Toronto, Montreal area. Oh, true, true. So they would probably have that history on hand. Um, I've I, I probably said before, it's it's been seven years, I've probably said everything about my life and, and at least three times, but I'm not a sports fan. The only sports fandoms that I have are the ones that ostensibly my dad gave to me. So my hockey team is the New York Rangers, and my baseball team is are the Montreal Expos, even though they do not exist anymore. But uh, my dad took me to an Expos game when I was, uh, I want to say, 11 or 12 years old in Montreal. So, And I used to have a couple of Expos caps. I used to be a... Wait, I used to be a ba- I, used to, I used to be a baseball cap kid. Uh, so this would have been like 2001, 2002. Okay, okay. So, okay, it wasn't... I was trying to do the math there. I forgot how old you were. I was like, this could have been the year that George is talking about. But no, that was a lot earlier. No, unfortunately not. Uh, yeah, I used to, like I said, I used to be a baseball cap kid and uh, wore a lot of Expos caps uh, when I was younger. And uh, judging by my hairline, I might be a baseball cap man uh, before too long. So yeah, George is way into baseball, but he does not have any natural talent. Like all through, they do these like kind of preseason warm up games. And George is just not very good at it, which he's not. He, he, we've seen him do athletics before, but he's not like a natural athlete as far as we know. And this kind of confirms it. And this spoke to me a little bit because it especially the way that the episode ends up. It reminded me of my own experience being a fan of professional wrestling because Interesting. I I am not naturally athletic. And I do not have a high pain threshold. So I, I knew very early on when I started watching wrestling 
that I was never going to be able to do it on a physical level, nor do I really have any desire to, especially after seeing some of the horrible injuries. But there, but there is still that desire, and I think that this, I mean, you can map this on to anything if you are a fan of a sport or something athletic, or even you can map this on to something else that requires skill. If you're, like, a big fan of it, but you do not have the talent to do it. And the, this, I think, puts over pretty well the frustration that can occur when it's just, like, you're so close to the thing that you love, and then you discover that you're not actually very good at doing it. So I, I, I related to that in that way, and I hope people watching along with us, well, I did, not that I hope that you, that you have experienced you know, frustration and disappointment in your life, but I feel like there's probably something in all of our lives that can kind of touch upon this point. Definitely. I was trying to think of something myself. I mean, I, I, I'm not athletic either, and I watch lots of sports, but it, it could even be a general example. Um, the moral of this episode is kind of, um, you have to kind of pave your own way, right? So yeah. don't make a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. Um, you can see what aspect of something um, you can have uh, a, a kind of a, th that fits your skill set. Uh, for instance, okay, here's an example that relates to me, I guess. Yeah. Is I am not an artist, nor am I an anim animator, nor am I a professional writer, but uh, I'm able to exercise um, my cultural critique, so to speak, by doing this podcast with you, Will. Um, so that's <laughs> one example of focusing on what I'm good at rather than trying to fixate on what I'm not. Sure, and like exactly, like I also realized early on that as much as I like movies and television, uh, I'm not, I'm not, my my skill set is not to being a director. Like I'm not going to be a filmmaker, which is okay. And so a lot of it ends up being towards, like you said, critique. And I'm sure that a lot of people listening have similar, like I said, similar experiences. And so George is frustrated. Um, Arthur and Buster encourage him to kind of take this in stride. As Buster says when they kind of meet up later, George is very disappointed. He's a little heartbroken. And, you know, Arthur is like, there was a lot of times, you know, before we got started where a lot of us weren't any good. And Buster says, most of us still aren't any good. And it's important to remember that, like, yeah, these are kids playing baseball. They're not exactly supposed to be MLB level. Um, so George's dad understands that he is a little dejected. So he makes him the Lundgren Slugger, which is like a mm. homemade bat made from like real wood. It looks real cool. But unfortunately, this doesn't, you know, drastically increase his talent like an RPG weapon or something. Um, I also did want to mention here on the team, we see the names on the team on the clipboard. Uh, Carl is part of the team. Uh, George's friend Carl. So it's, it's a visual cameo. He doesn't really do anything. What I found interesting is that he seems to be the same age as everybody else. So, like, around eight years old. I thought from his appearances before that he was younger. Like, I thought he was, like, five or six, maybe. Or, maybe, like, maybe seven. But I didn't think that he and George were, like, around the same age group. Uh, I thought I I, I... I don't really remember, to be perfectly honest with you, with the Carl episode, but... It's, um, it was a long time ago. Yeah. I thought they were just buds hanging out. I, I couldn't hmm. tell. I definitely didn't think he was five. That's getting close to DW age. Right. Um, I'll also say, before we move on, um, I feel like we have to say this in every George episode now, ever since the big reveal, but it's so cool that his last name is Lundgren. It, 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 sure, does it make me think of Dolph Lundgren every single time? Yes. Um, but, you know, talking about the Lundgren slugger, uh, it's just a very cool last name, especially for George. It, 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 I'm not going to say it necessarily suits him, per se, but I love hearing it. 
All right, Lundgren, like a strong last name. Um, so the team actually is doing fairly well. Even though George himself is not, uh, the team is making it to the playoffs. The Grieblings are going to the playoffs, but George is, you know, he, it's not that he feels like he's bringing down the team because they're doing very well. It's just that there's no real place for him, and he's just kind of thinking about giving it up altogether. And we see this when the team goes to the Brains Mom's ice cream shop and Harry Mills is there. So Harry Mills, even though... <laughs> like, even though he, he and Bitsy have broken up, and, like, by all means, you could have gotten rid of this guy, like, seasons ago. He's still there, and he's still, like, involved in Buster's life, which is kind of good, but also, like, you know, it could just be Bitsy, you know? I, like, I, th I don't have a problem with this. I just think it's kind of funny how, like, all of a sudden, Harry Mills shows up, and he's doing a story on the Grieblings. I'm like, all right. For all the kids who are wondering what happened to Harry Mills... <laughs> Again, it's another example of the Elwood City feeling very lived in. Almost now as we get further into this uh, Flash era, and this is going to sound like an insult, but I don't mean it as one. Almost kind of Simpsons-esque in that yeah. anybody from any part of Arthur history could conceivably appear again. It's almost as if throwaway character of the week has definitely become a misnomer because who knows if everyone's a throwaway character of the week at this point. If Harry Mills is showing up, and not only showing up, but showing up in a totally different context than we normally see him. Every other time we've seen Harry Mills, it's Arthur, it's Buster's mom's new boyfriend, right? Yes. That's the only other yeah. time we've seen him. Now we're just seeing him do his daily job working for the newspaper. Um, and he's Jack, just a permanent part of the Arthur universe now. That's a good way to look at it. I, th I think that's a much more positive way to look at it. And you're right. As we've seen in the past few seasons, they are more willing to use a lot of deeper Arthur history. So, yeah, uh, it, it just kind of took me by surprise. Um, Harry invites George to go along with him and Arthur and Buster to a Greaves game. But George is so, like, the pa his passion for baseball has been drained out of him from how poorly he's doing. So he refuses and even considers quitting the team. He has a dream that night where we go back to where we were in the cold open with George making his big league debut, but the pitcher uh, ends up throwing so hard that him and the catcher turn into, like, bowling pins or something? This this is, this is a little... We're kind of mixing our metaphors here with baseball and bowling. Yeah, he, George picturing himself <laughs> facing off against... Do you ever see that viral video of the guy who's like, who do you think you are? I am! Oh, you know yeah, the, the, about? yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh Damn it, I did it! <laughs> Who do you think you are? I am! Oh, yeah. The infamous Classic. bowler. Um, but very strange. And also, the guy is, like, giant. He's It's like um, that Sylvester Stallone movie where he arm wrestles people. This guy has one mm. arm that's way larger than his other arm. Um, <laughs> very strange stuff. We, we were complaining in a couple episodes ago how there's not that many good, like, absurd screenshots from the Flash era because everybody is... A little bit more standardized. Um, there's less weird frames. This was definitely weird frame of the week. This weird one arm bigger than the other bowler baseball man so with steam coming out of his ears. And I do want to walk that back a little bit because, yeah, there's a couple of instances throughout both of these stories where there are some wild images. I think... What made me say that originally is that since we're not dealing with hand-drawn animation before, there's not a lot of in-between frames that you can catch. Like, I, I, there, there's a, there's an Arthur meme that goes around Twitter sometimes, and it's that one of DW and Arthur out in the rain, and they're both making these weird faces that are clearly, like, in-between in between 
like keyframe animations. Sorry if I'm misusing those terms, but it's like it's in between shots before they're actually supposed to be almost perceived by the eye. And it's so weird that you're like you're never you're not even really supposed to perceive it. But if you pause it in just the right way, and you get that a lot more with traditional animation. Whereas with these um, with this flash animation, it's a lot more rigid. But I will say that there are still some really good like drawings and posings. Uh, every now and then. So I, I want to walk that back a little bit. We are still getting some good screenshots uh, here and there. They're just different than they used to be. George is intending to quit. And in fact, he goes to tell Oliver that that's what he's going to do. But Francine is sick that day. So George decides on Oliver's suggestion to give it like one more game. He doesn't even, he can just ride the bench the whole time. And, and if he still wants to quit by the end, he totally can. So Francine asks him to keep her updated by cell phone. So he's going to use Oliver's cell phone, and he has a headset. And so he's going to call Francine and let her know what's going on. And as he starts to do that from the bench, like, he's giving it a lot of really good detail. So, like, he's – and he becomes, over the next couple of minutes, a commentator – and that's he's essentially it's like Francine's listening to radio. She's listening to George call the game and he's got Harry next to him in the uh, um, on the on the bench. And they are both kind of calling the game. He even like refers to Harry uh, for just like it's like you ever seen anything like that, Harry? He's like almost, Harry's like his color commentator and George is doing the play by play. And he's way better at this because he understands the game to a level where he can call it intelligently, even though he's not playing it. And I also bet this helped them to save a little time in animating things because this last sequence is the Grieblings making all these plays and they do eventually win the playoffs. But a lot of it is from George's point of view and we see him calling the game, but we don't see as much of the game being played. So just like, all right, well, that's a little bit easier to animate. I mean, ultimately, I like this compromise in that we have established that George isn't good at playing baseball, but his knowledge of it is still very helpful. And this and the episode ends with George, again, using his woodworking skills to create a little commentary booth at the baseball uh, diamond. So he is going to be calling it through, calling the game through a megaphone. And that's how he can stay close to the thing he loves without actually having to play it. And I, I just I just like that. I thought that was a really cool compromise. I agree. And it plays into what we were talking about earlier. I think it's an interesting lesson for kids to have. Um, so much of uh, kids' programming instills the idea of you can do anything that you put your mind to. And that yeah. is true to an extent. Um, but there's nothing wrong with also encouraging folks to um, work within your innate skill set. Okay? Um mm. I, I, I don't know. I've seen this in my professional right, life, right? Like, I um, am better – I have a sales skill set, and so I work in a sales-adjacent job. But I found the one that I actually enjoy doing or is related to things that I enjoy, right? So I'm yes. not saying that you have to pigeonhole yourself per se, but it's good to encourage kids to, um, like I said, don't force yourself to, uh, to do something that is just simply beyond your means, um, a good example would be if you're four foot nine, don't be try and become a basketball player. It's just not going to happen for you, right? But if your passion is ba 
basketball. Perhaps you could become a basketball commentator or podcaster or whatever. Um, and there's many such cases. Uh, earlier we were talking about this, you know, I'm never going to be a musician, but I can still, you know, enjoy music as a hobby, that kind of thing. So I think that's a positive message uh, to give to kids. And I also think that, like, it'll help a lot of people out of a rut. You know what I mean? George yeah. isn't simply kind of uh, just depressed that he can't play baseball. He's able to kind of still indulge in his passion just in his own particular way. And it was from the encouragement of somebody else where it's like all Oliver Frensky is not the type of guy to be like, you're no good, get off the team. He's going to encourage him to even just be there. And in being present, he's able to find this new role for himself. So it, it emphasizes the importance of uh like a nurturing adult presence to kind of you know even if you feel like you're not contributing even being there can be helpful there's a there's a comparison that i want to make with another arthur episode to this one but i'll save that for final thoughts it's it's a little bit longer so we'll we'll keep going here and now a word from us kids Not that we always have a lot to say about these ones. I just, you know, this is very much, it is what it is. It's uh, uh, <laughs> a, a second grade class showing off their talents and interests, which is, it's again, very much a throwback to like a season one word from us kids where it's like they literally did this thing. So it's like, uh, you know, one kid's good at baking, one can play piano, one can speak Arabic, uh, a couple of them are good at drawing, one of them braids her hair, uh, you know, there are various sports that they're good at, and yes, one kid's... A couple, of, couple of, a couple of them are really good at hitting dangles, a lot, like some kids showing off their hockey power-ess, um, and then you know, one those kids are dusty, anyway, are not dusty, rather, they're, they're greasy. And then the one kid parlance. is really into local history. He's very excited about it. He's just like he it, it again. It's like we're talking about special interests of just like this kid's like, I love local history. And it's just like, all right, that kid has found his niche. So, yeah. And it, th this is the one where it's just like, OK, I'm just going to note what we did. And it's not my not anybody's place to be like that kid sucks at drawing or something. It's just like, no, it's just what they like to do and what and what they're good at. So it's it, it's very much it is what it is. The only other note I have from this is th at one point we see those kid a kid playing with those wooden color coded uh, shape blocks, uh, and I, yeah. that was one of those memories I forgot I had. That I my classroom had those exact uh, colored blocks, um, same color coding as well, um, and I hadn't thought about those in um, over let's say. 25 years now uh so a quarter of a century since i've last thought about those blocks so it was good to have that pop back into my head i'm sure i forgot something i learned recently because i remembered that there are certain types of blocks that can really like hit that center in your brain it's like uh sometimes i'm watching instagram reels and then it's one of those ones are just like remember what it was like to go to school in the 90s and it's like those little blocks that multicolored blocks that click together and i'm like yeah, yeah, those those were awesome. I made all kinds of guns out of those things because it was the 90s. Supporting this podcast is how it keeps going, and it's very easy to do. So here's how you can do that. If you're listening to this show and want to get the full back catalog of Elwood City Limits and all of its sister shows and offshoots, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and even more services. You can also go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits, for the full back catalog. If we aren't on a service you use, please let us know. You can interact with us on social media. We're on Twitter, at ECL Podcast. Instagram, at 
at Elwood City Limits and twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits pod for our occasional streams. We're also on Facebook and Tumblr. Feel free to reach out to us on social media or you can email us and your email might be right on the show elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Finally, for exclusive content including entire side series like For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, and ECL Origins, subscribe to us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. That's all for now. Thanks a lot for listening. And now, back to the show. Well, from the title, I wasn't super enthused. Uh, Brain's biggest blunder, but at least it implies that uh, Brain will be made low in some sense. Um, The cold open is fairly straightforward. It's Brain addressing the camera and saying that, you know, whenever he gets an A in class, they put that whatever, you know, a test or report or whatever on the fridge. But then there's a false wall behind his fridge where his mom keeps all the fridges with all of his A's in a warehouse, how, like this this subterranean cave. But also in that cave is what Brain calls his only failure. He, like, shields the camera. It's like it's a found footage movie. And he's like, no, you can't see that. It's my only failure. And then we go to the actual episode. This is uh, probably the best cold open of the season. Uh, <laughs> the way that we learn about Brain's secret fridge warehouse is Brain has this great line that he delivers where he goes, just like other kids, my refrigerators are stored in a secret warehouse where they're hermetically sealed. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there wasn't any more food in that, like, or else that's going to be a real, this is going to be a real problem. And then, yeah, we see this, like, this like this monster in a cage with uh, like rabbit esque features in the shadows. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's we're bending reality a little bit here as we'll get into it. So the idea behind this one is that there is going to be something called the Arithmetic Competition, which love it. Great pun name. They're practicing for it in Ratburn's class, and it will have to do with math. Um, the arithmetic competition is like a yearly competition, and normally it's individual. And Arthur refers to it as the as the brain wins again competition. So it's something that he has been able to do very well. This year they're going to do it in teams. So Buster, who we see struggling with a word problem uh, that Mr. Ratburn is giving out, and he gives the wrong answer before Brain, without even looking up from his book, uh, gives the correct answer. And Buster is assigned to Brain's team along with Binky. Uh, did you get the word problem? Like, did you kind of do it in your head as Ratburn oh, was saying it? hell no. There's a reason <laughs> I identify with Buster. And that's because when they did the word problem, I didn't even attempt. I was laughing at the name they used. It was one of those, like, old-timey folksy. Was it, like, Jebediah or something? Yeah, or something um, like that. Yeah, I was I was just thinking about how that was funny, the name they used for the work problem. But no, Will, I was not trying to do the work problem in my head. Why? Uh, what, what? Did you do the work problem? Yeah, like it's it was just the kind of thing where like I kind of kenned what it was getting to as he was saying it, and I did I I did guess the right answer because uh, oh. I'm also not very good at math, but somehow mental math ended up being very very sticky in my brain, so it worked out okay. Yeah, Buster is not so good. Uh, by the way, brain like all of these teams have names. Uh, brains is brains binomials, so that's him 
Binky, and Buster. So he's aware that Buster is not very good, and he offers to tutor him, especially because Prunella and her team, which the wizardly order of the fourth grade, which ends up being her, Molly, and Rattles. Prunella gets real mouthy in this episode towards Brain. Like, her and Brain trading some uh, some promos back and forth about who's going to win the arithmetic competition. Uh, but Buster is a little bit nervous about what Brain might want him to do. In fact, we see him at the at the lunch table when after he watches the promo between Prunella and Brain, and he's accidentally buttering his hand. Mm, mm. That's how you get pimples, my man. <laughs> You put butter at every pore. Oh, um, so yes, Buster goes over to Brain's house, and Brain is essentially like overloading Buster with exercises. Like he gives him this. Oh, I forgot. To, I forgot exactly what was in the smoothie. I think it's like kale and like something. It's just like gross stuff that's apparently good for your brain, and Brain's exercises include taking lessons from a book called. The History of Math from A Squared to Infinity, which is a really great book title. And there's also, like, a physical component to it. So Buster has to solve problems while he's doing, like, sit-ups and push-ups and this kind of thing. And he never listens to, like, Buster keeps trying to be like, the one thing I have trouble with is, and then Brain bulldozes over him in favor of all these techniques that he wants to do to try to make Buster smarter and to help him with math. But it's not actually very good teaching. But Brain is convinced that he is, like, he is convinced that Buster is going to be his greatest accomplishment. Like, making Buster smart is going to be the thing he's remembered for. Uh, As Buster walks away that night, Brain says, there's a mathematician somewhere in that boy, and I'm going to find it. Just like, that boy. Um, (laughs) We all know that one white boy who don't play about his math, you know? (laughs) Um, is this when Brain is talking to himself and he's like, "Oh, Brain, you're a pedagogic, pedagogic. Jeez, I can't. It shows how how smart I am. I can't even say these fourth grade words. Pedagogical. Pedagogical a pedagogic. Oh my goodness gracious. Uh, yes, what you said, Will. He calls himself a genius. <laughs> yes, uh, he's yeah. You're a pedagogical genius. Uh, I actually just did a captioning session today on pedagogy so i had to even even i got tripped up i kept saying pedagogical and so it's it's not natural uh the word pedagogy um so brain imagines that he's going to be at this big acceptance ceremony for his genius because he in his mind he teaches buster to calculate math so inherently well that he beats a robot called RoboCount, which is a the world's most sophisticated supercomputer that is also like bipedal and has two arms. And they calculate an like this incredibly difficult math equation, and Buster does it quicker. So that's what he is aiming uh, to do with Buster. However, when they go into the first round of the arithmetic, and I love saying arithmetic, so I'm going to keep doing that. Uh, Buster really chokes on his question, uh, so he he just he just he doesn't know. Like we see, even the numbers kind of uh, flow around his brain, and at like at some point he doesn't he fully stops paying attention, which is just like I'm pretty sure we've quote unquote known for a long time that Buster's ADHD is hell, or at least ADD. He's attention deficit something. And this is definitely uh, proof of that. But Binky saves them from elimination. He does a little pirouette, and he gets the right answer. The team they're against, by the way, is called Steve's Square Roots. So that's Steve is a character that was named in the first season 
in the episode where Buster has trouble with what is it? Um, oh, I don't remember the title of it, but it's the episode where Buster is having to study for that uh, big test, the multiplication mm-hmm. table test, and Steve shows up at his door. And he's like, I wish I could play, but I've got to study. And it's like that rabbit with glasses and like the orange sweater. So right. Steve, Steve's square roots win, but brains binomials are not disqualified. They get one more chance. Um, also in this scene, Buster is dressed like brain. They have the exact same sweater combo on the gray sweater and green sl- and dark green slacks. Buster eventually is able to tell Brain that he's a bad tutor. Um, Brain finds him later that day in the cafeteria. Arthur, and this again, pulling from Arthur's history, uh, tries to tell him that Buster went home, but he's fiddling with his glasses. So that means he's lying. So Brain looks under the table, and Buster is hiding from him. And he's, you know, he's got all these ideas he wants to do later for tutoring, including asking Buster a multiplication question, and then if he gets it wrong, dumping water on his head. Which is Buster's... Seems like borderline torture, I think. This is like he's waterboarding him and asking him math questions. Listen, this is like when the cops pull you over and they make you do the alphabet backwards um, to prove that you haven't been drinking. I can't do that on my best day, let alone in such a stressful situation. Now you're going to make me do math problems? You're going to dump water on my head? I just don't believe in this as a learning exercise. No, and it immediately sets Buster off because he's just like, like, no, this is like, this is stupid. You are a bad tutor, and Brain realizes that he has like what, like his methods just aren't working, and he has a nightmare that night about. So it's the same situation as before, where he's at this like acceptance, uh, speech for you know how he's trained Buster, but instead, Buster has morphed into this. As, as I called him Hulkbuster, which ha 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 for Marvel ah. Comics fans, the, the, he he's he's this giant, muscly, ogreish version of himself who's de- who is literally like the Hulk version of himself because he's like Buster, no like math, and he starts like smashing the place up as well as uh, Robo Count. So that's what Brain is. The Brain considers now that Buster is his greatest failure and that he's going to become this like eight foot tall muscle monster now who's i don't i don't know it's but it's but it but the but the hulk buster drawing was very interesting and it's the rare part where daniel brochu doesn't have to do like an affected child's voice he actually gets to go deeper for once brain's tutoring didn't work for buster binky shows up at his house and <laughs> he's just like buster we're gonna take a walk and buster thinks he's like I don't know, going to be killed? <laughs> he tells he tells his mom to give uh, Arthur one of his dark bunny toys because apparently Binky, it's it's like the ending of Miller's Crossing. Like he's going to march him into the woods and like shoot him or something. But he actually takes him to the jungle gym and Binky teaches Buster his method for how to internalize multiplication. And that's the problem that Buster has been meaning to tell Brain about but keeps getting interrupted uh, is that he doesn't... he has trouble with his multiplication tables. So Binky says that he had a similar problem to the point where he even, he bashed his head into like the metal bars of the jungle gym. And we see like a Binky's head shaped indent on one of the bars. And the idea of his lesson is that Binky also used to have trouble with multiplication tables, but he used an example from his own life in order to internalize it. He's talking about how he was watching a ballet on TV and one of the dancers fell, which caused them all to fall over. But 
they were grouped together in such a way that there were like two rows of four or two rows of three. And that helped Binky to understand the idea behind multiplication tables. It helped to click. And what will help Buster is to relate it to something that he likes. So in this case, cakes. And that's what helps Buster not only understand multiplication, but at the end of the episode in the final confrontation between Brains, Binomials, and the Wizardly Order of the Fourth Grade, Buster is able to answer the game-winning question correctly, which is a multiplication question, and he thinks about it as, like, layers on a cake. And that's how he comes with the right answer. And By the way, I feel like all the other math questions, and maybe I was just paying less attention, but all the other math questions in this episode are significantly more difficult than 3 times 12. Like, Buster kind of lucked out. Like, sure, he came up with this useful mental exercise by picturing these layers on the cake to help him focus and um, sort of understand the mechanics of the math problem, but... Weren't there, like, way more complicated ones earlier on, and he just kind of lucked into 3 times 12? I think so. Like, I I feel like there were, you know, we were getting into, like, division, maybe even doing some light algebra or something. So you're right. It it is a little bit of a softball that Buster was lobbed. Uh, But he does get it correct, and by the end, Buster wants to teach Brain how to be able to teach, and he has his own ideas for how to do that. It made me think about how it's really hard, I think, for a lot of us to remember how we internalized, you know, a lot of mathematical concepts that we use, because I think sometimes it's easy to take for granted the fact that most of us, you know, can multiply two numbers in our head and just kind of come away with it entirely. And sometimes it it comes across in like those meme posts that you see of like, okay, so when you see eight times six plus four minus two, what happens in your head. And it turns Mm. out that like we all internalized our own ways to make it make sense to us, even if it doesn't make sense to other people. And that's illustrating this here, which is a good lesson to learn, is that even though we all learn the formulas, even though we all learn bed mass at some point in school, like eventually you just find a way that makes sense for you. Uh, The example I always like to go to is I will always remember what eight times eight is because When I was practicing my multiplication tables at home with my family, we would use, like, flashcards. And the way I remembered that is 8 times 8 equals Nintendo 64. Oh, interesting. I'll never never forget 8 times 8 for as long as I live, Will. Which related back to my interests because I love Nintendo 64. So, um, yeah, I I, I think that's, again, as with the baseball one, that's that's a cool lesson to impart, that learning looks different for everybody. And it's okay if you find something more helpful than another way. It just so happens that that other way is like just and I guess also introducing the idea of some people are just bad teachers, which is an interesting one to uh, to introduce kids to. There's not much else to say, right? That they, They're able to win the math competition um, because Buster has learned his own kind of learning style, for lack of a better term. Um, and then at the end, we get kind of Buster... Brain didn't take this as so much of an insult, but he kind of suns Brain here with <laughs> him being like, not only that, I had to learn from someone else who was a beginner, and I could even teach you how to tutor better. And Brain takes it really well in stride. He's like, oh, that's great. Instead of being like, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so kind of two interesting lessons imparted throughout this episode. Let's go back to Baseball Blues. What did you think of this one, Lucas? I thought Baseball Blues was a pretty good episode. Again, this is a 
it's not like my favorite episode in the world. And during the actual baseball game itself, you know, a fake baseball fan over here, I was kind of bored <laughs> during the actual hard action. Once I had realized, okay, you know, George found his niche, and that's kind of the end of the story of the episode, but we still have to watch this baseball game that doesn't really pertain to anything play out. Uh, but that being said, I, I think that um, it is continuing the Arthur tradition of ha- having morals and lessons that you don't see in other children's programming meant for this age group. Um, and this was one that I think that a lot of adults could definitely, you know, learn some lessons from about uh, trying not to, as Blade once said, <laughs> mother mother effers always trying to ice skate uphill. Uh, and I think that that rings true to a certain extent. You don't have to necessarily throw away your dreams. And if you work hard enough at something, you can do it. Um, but it also pays to work smarter, not harder, and to find your skill set and to work within that skill set, uh, which is a, you know, I would say fairly wise advice for a TV show aimed at six-year-olds, right? So uh, mm. it really surprised me. Um, that being said, not the most entertaining episode of the planet. Would I ever rewatch it? Not necessarily, but hey, uh, I enjoyed it. I liked it too. I'm like, I'm more in like the okay category. I really like the message of it kind of more than the actual events. So as I said, it, I related to it quite a bit as a fan of uh, another kind of uh, athletic form, let's call it, that I will never be able to do myself. But and I again, to probably repeat myself from when I've said this before, uh, one of the few kind of professional dreams that I have left in my life is I want to, I want to commentate for wrestling. And that's when I, so when I saw George become a baseball commentator, I was just like, maybe that'll be me someday. So it it did make me feel good. Um, the actual construction of the episode is okay. At first I was a little bit, um, I, you know, in the first half of the episode, I was like, well, we already did the baseball episode where like, you know, back in season one, Arthur makes the team, and that is very much, it's interesting to compare and contrast these two baseball episodes, because you said, Lucas, you were saying that this is very, like, this is, the message here is that even if you aren't good at something, you can still bring yourself into that thing that you love, and not, you know, fit the square peg into the round hole. Whereas, back in season one, the message of Arthur makes the team is very much like, if you practice and through sheer grit and determination, you will become better, which mm. as, and, and as you said, that is true. Like you can absolutely apply yourself and improve, but that's where that episode stops. And I also think it's, it's kind of indicative of the kind of different times that these episodes were made in, you know, I, I might be extrapolating a little bit here uh, or maybe, yeah, but it's the sort of thing where, Back in the 90s, I think we were still very much in the idea of, like, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. And that kind of being the end of the discussion. Whereas now, this is, like, 2013, so we're a little bit farther along. And I feel like this is a little bit more minded, even just unconsciously, towards an idea like accessibility. Where it's, like, admitting or at least being truthful about the fact that not everybody can be good at something or even passable at something. Some people are like really bad at something, even though they love it, but there is still a way for you to be involved that Mm, doesn't, mm. that mean like you don't like, because as we see, like no amount of practice is really going to make George good at this. So instead he finds something else that nobody else is doing that he's good at. It's very like almost enterprising, but it is also to me, I've kind of view it from an accessibility standpoint 
because accessibility is part of the work that I do every week. And I and I like the message in that sense of like, just because you can't do this one specific thing doesn't mean that you can't find something else to do that also takes advantage of your love and passion for whatever it is that you're not so good at on this on the surface level. So I thought that was a cool message. The episode around it is kind of eh, whatever. Again, appreciate a George episode, really like that. Uh, but I think the message is the stronger part of this. And as I, I think we've proven, it's a message that you can take no matter how old you are. So that's uh, that's always a good thing in an Arthur episode for me. As an episode, I think I like Brain's Biggest Blunder better just because we got some way out there imagery. We got some fun ideas. We got some good lines. And yeah, it just felt like your more typical good Arthur episode. Um like, again, love arithmetic. And also, if if it's got to be a brain episode, it's better when brain is on the back foot. And I think we've said this before. It's just like it's better when he is kind of made to be somebody who has something that needs to be addressed rather than, you know, with with the with the baseball story. It's like George is kind of the underdog and we want him to find his way. With Brain, it's like, no, we want him to learn a lesson. Like, we want him to be a better person, and that feels like a more natural fit for Brain. So this works, and I think that it's an interesting one to do of, in, again, introducing the idea of, hey, not everybody is a natural teacher, and, and you can contrast Brain and Binky, and even in terms of the baseball thing. Like, Brain is not a good teacher, even though he is very smart. Binky is a better teacher because he actually has the experience to relate to the person he's trying to teach. And and they say as much in the episode. And I think that's a really interesting concept to introduce, especially for a show aimed at children who don't necessarily have to think about this sort of situation. But it is valuable to know that, I mean, you and you can apply this to the teachers who would have direct authority over you at that age. But it's like, not everybody's going to be a great teacher. And... Also, if you find value learning in a different way than the way you are taught, that is also valid. And I think that that's also part of education conversations that we are having, again, as it from as opposed to when Arthur started in the 90s to now, with a bit more of a mind towards accessibility and understanding everybody's uniqueness in terms of how they learn or how they approach a certain activity. So... Yeah, I, I, it's it's funny the 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 morals, the messages at the end, uh, go along with these very well uh, yeah. in terms of pairing together as an episode. I I totally agree, and I actually think that you know I kind of have similar things to say about this episode, with the exception of kind of the more surreal elements, seeing the monster buster, seeing uh, brains crazy fridge lair in the opening. <laughs> um, I kind of have a similar feeling as this episode as the one preceding it, in that I think that the moral kind of the note that the episodes end on elevate the episodes as a whole, and in terms of the kind of A to B to C, the elements of the plot, um, it's kind of. I was kind of mentally checking out at a certain point because I, I could see the forest for the trees and I could yeah. see where it was going, uh, especially with uh, Buster getting thrown that softball at the end. Three times 12, come on. Um, <laughs> but I uh, I totally agree that I think that these episodes are, again, another reminder that the Arthur writing is as strong as it's always been. Um, and I think we've actually... It, it might have even... It, it's actually, to me... 
feeling stronger than it's been in years. You know, these are a far cry um, than some of the baby episodes we had been dealing with near the end. You know, all of our complaints about we're treading the same ground over and over again. These are episodes where it's not like they're doing anything kind of drastically different, but they've still been able to hit on morals and lessons um, that are very nuanced for their audience and are morals and lessons that I'm not used to seeing in kids' programming. And so I see these episodes and kind of this season thus far as a whole, um, as a bit of a return to form uh, in terms of the writing uh, of Arthur. So exciting things to come. I agree. Uh, uh, you know, it's been great to kind of start at a little bit of an unsure footing on the season and then slowly get our groove back as we keep going along. It's been very um, uh, enlightening and very encouraging as we go forward. So thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Elwood City Limits. Now, of course, as we near the end of the month, uh, we're going to be shaking up the schedule a little bit as we do, because the next time, the next thing we are going to do is ECL Origins. And we've been teasing this for weeks. I, you know, not much more to say about it other than we're finally going to do it ne- you know, next week for our patrons. This is our Patreon-exclusive podcast where we talk about other shows that are not under the PBS Kids banner, and shows specifically that we, you, that Lucas and I loved in our childhood, and I even got a little bit of, I even got a little bit of watching this in, uh, like last week, I watched an episode because I was just hankering, sometimes I do that, sometimes I throw on an episode of sticking around because I like it. So, I mean, mild spoilers for that, for that episode, but there's gonna be a lot to talk about because it's a, I, I I just think I I'm I I really oh I gotta be careful I I gotta preempt the conversation right here of just like that's what that's what we're gonna talk about on Patreon but I'm excited oh, I think we're both very excited about this episode I'm very excited about the future in general Will because I accidentally watched the episodes of Arthur that they we're gonna be watching <laughs> after uh, our <coughs> excuse me. Uh, I'm allergic to spoiling episodes. Um, I'm going to be watching... I already watched the episodes we're going to be talking about the week after that. And boy, howdy, Will, do we have uh, some episodes on the way. I got to say, there was there was a particular name drop in the episodes we're going to be watching in two weeks that if you had you know, said, Lucas, here are some people that are going to be uh, referenced in Arthur episodes, I would have never have come up with this. So excited to chat about that uh, in the coming weeks. Yes, we end up in a little bit of an interesting uh, place here because you've seen something that I haven't. Buster's book battle and on the Buster scale. So that's good to hear. I was a little worried of just like, that's a lot of Buster for one episode. But uh, I look forward to kind of getting on your level and finding out what this is all about. Uh, there's one last thing I want to say before we go, and that's a little plug for a friend's podcast here that I'm going to be a part of very soon. So uh, Doctor is somebody who has been on the show before. Uh, a lot of great podcasts that Doctor is a part of, including one of my favorites, which is Tune Sweet, about the music of professional wrestling. But he is a whole podcast network, him and his friends, uh, and they are doing a special Patreon-exclusive podcast, and it's called The Wheel of Scooby-Doo. So they literally have, like, this digital wheel, and they keep spinning it, and it's they are going through all of the Scooby-Doo specials. So, like, those hour-long, you know, direct-to-video, direct-to-DVD, one-off specials, they're doing all of them. And it's a really fun concept. And I said when he started, I asked, like, hey, 
There's one that I have in mind. Can I be a guest on it? Because I've never guested on, well, I've been a guest on Toon Suite before, but I was like, there's one that I have in mind and I really want to be part of it. And he said, okay. So they're, so they're finally getting to it. So the wheel of Scooby-Doo, they spin the wheel to determine which Scooby-Doo movie they cover on their next episode. The next episode they're going to be doing is Scooby-Doo WrestleMania Mystery. And I'm going to be a guest on that show. I have seen Scooby-Doo WrestleMania Mystery. It is a hoot and a holler. Ooh, or I guess I'm if it's, excited. I guess it's Scooby-Doo, a root and a roller. So uh, oh. you have got to check out their Patreon in order to listen to that episode. And I, I'm really excited. I'm going to be recording it soon. So check out their Patreon. Sign up for access. You get an access to a network of over half a dozen great podcasts. They've been doing this for over 10 years, way longer than we have. There's shows on One Piece, Gintama, Hunter x Hunter. There's a show on comic books. There's a show on Rugrats. There's a show on Tokusatsu. There's Toon Suite. And there's way more. Go to patreon.com slash SSAA network and sign up for their Patreon. And you can also get every episode of The Wheel of Scooby-Doo, including the one that I'm going to be on very soon. So hopefully you guys stop over. That's going to be coming soon. And I will make sure to make more noise about it on social media when it actually drops. But as we've already said, ECL Origins is coming up for patrons next week. Sticking around, we're going to be talking about that Canadian cartoon classic. And then ECL after that, Buster's Book Battle, and On the Buster Scale. Remember, if you're on the free feed, you're going to get a preview of the Sticking Around episode. And if you'd like to join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Limits, it is pay what you want. So literally pay us even a dollar and you get access to hundreds of hours of podcast and video content, including ECL Origins coming up real soon. But we will be getting back to Elwood City Limits in the month of April around WrestleMania season. So whether you're hearing from us on ECL Origins, the next episode of Elwood City Limits, or even on the Wheel of Scooby-Doo very soon, uh, thank you so much for listening to us. This has been Elwood City Limits, and we'll see you next time. I got ahead of myself. I'm not supposed to say that right now. I'm Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... What do you have the most trouble with? Word problems? Graphs? Or sequencing? This was tough. I There was a couple of times where I'm like, oh, that's what Lucas is going to say. Oh, no, that's what Lucas is going to say. And that was that was not one I thought you were going to say. So well done. Good good keeping me on my toes. I, listen, I've been, I've been, I haven't been uh, myself when it comes to the outro for the past couple weeks. So I had to uh, have one ready to go this time. Uh, uh, oh no! I know I ruined it. <laughs> no, it's no, it's. I already said we'll see you next time. So, uh, okay. Ruby Dooby Doo.